Carla, I have a very important question for you. Yes. Would Would you get on the back of my verses? Uh-huh. You know, I, I see what I did wrong here. I'm, I didn't uh-huh. ask it correctly. Hold on. <clears throat> hey, good looking. Do you want to get on the back of my verses? Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> See? <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 80. I'm Chuck. And I'm Todd. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And more poop. Poop, poop, poop. My world is poop. Poop, poop, poop. poop. This have, is my third shirt today. Have you seen that video? I don't need to see it. I live it. You've seen those the, the bad lip reading videos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they did uh, one of the Black Eyed Peas, mm-hmm. and I forgot what the actual song is, mm-hmm. but they redubbed it, so it was all about poop. Oh, Maybe man. I'll throw that link in the show notes so that everyone can en- <laughs> so enjoy everyone it. everyone can enjoy, air quotes, it. Yes, Wheel Nerds, actually back in the studio. Both of us. Both of us, at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's nice to see you're wearing clean clothes. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So how how goes the diaper battle? Diaper battle's going good. I really I like I like having a kid. It's uh holy crap is it a lot of work, but you know, it's fun. Every time she smiles at me, I'm into it and uh, I just keep thinking I'm like, "Ooh, another 10 years I'll be able to buy her cute gear. We'll ride around the sidecar." And just wait until she's talking and it gets really fun. Oh lordy. Actually, what I'm really looking forward to right now is when she can move under her own power because the poor dog Oh my God, that poor dog is not going to get a moment's fit. I'm, so you got to understand, my wife is the most popular person in the house. I'm a close second, except that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I am strictly third place. I've been supplanted <laughs> by the dog. If the dog is where the baby can see the dog, the dog gets all of the attention. Interesting. Sophie was never so much into the dogs. Well, your dog is small and sort of yippy. My dog is large and black and hairy and licks the baby every chance she gets when she thinks we're not looking. So the two of them are bonding. Sophie liked to pull and punch and Mm. she was kind of Mm -hmm. violent toward the dogs. There was, was, uh, yeah, that that dog's not going to get a moment's peace. But that's okay. I'll, I'll make her feel better by dry, riding her around in the sidecar and causing a scene. Okay. Well, last week, you know, I had Claire in, in the Todd seat. So, mm-hmm. you know. It's nice to be back. And I think Claire got a rash. From- I can't say I'm terribly surprised. Well, I, I missed Easter on the show. Yes. But that's okay. Well, there wasn't Easter because the Easter Bunny got arrested. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Down in uh, San Diego, it looks like. The, yep. um, the Easter Bunny was riding a... a a sidecar rig and got pulled over. Mm-hmm. He had a helmet on. Yeah. <laughs> I can just see it now. The officer's like trying to get a bribe. He's like, hey, hey, you know, if you have a few of those really good <laughs> eggs, you know, with the cream stuff in the middle. God, I love those eggs. Just give me, give me some of those eggs. Poor Easter bunny. <laughs> After about the sixth officer, he'd run out of eggs though. So, you know. <laughs> They're just a line of diabetic coma officers. <laughs> diabetic coma officers and tiny, tiny, like, crinkly, shiny foil things. Poor Easter Bunny with his helmet strapped oh, on his head. Oh, I don't know why I incurred one. <laughs> uh. You know, maybe it was just the Ural delay factors that did it and not that he was the Easter Bunny. Mm, could be, although I don't usually get arrested for Ural delay factor when the cops stop me and want to talk to me. They usually just want to stop me and talk to me and tell me how they're thinking of buying one at great length. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone else. <laughs> uh, so there's a thing here in the notes I noticed about you and pants. Pants. Which so remember how I was... an iffy subject with you. <laughs> <laughs> pants, you know, on again, off again, me and pants. Glad you have them now. Unfortunately, this was kind of an off again with pants. Don't want to know. <laughs> uh, la, 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 that came la, out beautifully. Um... Yeah, I, I got the Falstaff pants. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were really excited about uh, those. I was super excited. It took them six weeks to make them. So I got them. Six weeks? Six weeks to make them. So I get the things, and, you know, they're very expensive. took six weeks, and I put them on, and the knee armor is, like, two inches too low. <laughs> I know, right? Is it adjustable? No. No, what? it's not. You no, can't... because the, the knees are gusseted in a certain way around the armor and so forth. Oh. So I call them up, and they're like, oh, well, we can, we can if you want to send it back and pay some money, we can take a couple inches off above the knees, and it should fit you. Pay some more money. Yeah, pay some more money for $500 pants that they had to make. So that that part, okay, you know... It, Part of it is, I think I was interpreting Aerostitch as being largely a custom kind of shop. Yeah. They're not. They're a stock shop that does some customizations. Uh-huh. Now, here's the part, though, that really burned my bacon and made me send the pants back and just took me from, maybe I'll pay the money to, you know what, screw you, I'm not dealing with this. Uh-huh. I get the guy on the phone, Jared at Aerostitch, their customer service guy, super duper helpful. Um, I get him on the phone and I explain what's going on and I'm like, you know, I'm really feeling weird about paying, you know, what's going to amount by the time I ship it to another $100 for a $500 pair of pants just to make them fit. And he says, well, let's uh, let's see. Your name was Todd. Okay. Oh, well, when you were in here getting fitted in 2009, um, we measured you and you would need two inches off above the knee. <laughs> what? I'm like... They knew that? I'm like, you fucking knew this? <laughs> Six weeks ago, before you built the pants, and it would have been cheaper for you and for me to get the modifications done. I mean, it's not like you don't know who I am. Did he have a response? I, 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 I don't. I didn't say much after that I point. Mean, do I they was, not? I was trying not just to scream the f word into the phone over and over and over and over. <laughs> at this point. I sent them, I sent them, you know, they, they, they have the little form you put in the box when you return the pants. And I started writing in the little box and I ran out of space and I just covered the back of the thing with a note. I'm picturing the, I'm, I'm picturing like one of those walls from the serial killer movies. It's all scrawled it's and not, charcoal. Well, my handwriting big is. Big words, little words. My handwriting is awful bad. Murder, but, murder, murder, murder. No, but I mean, I was, I was, you know, the, part of the problem is it's not like there's no malice anywhere in it. It's just, frankly, incompetence. That's amazing. That happened. Well, I mean, and think about this. And what I told him was basically this. Look, your sales staff had this information. All they would have had to do is say, hey, we'll need to do this, and then your pants will fit awesome. We'll need 50 bucks from you for it. I would have been like, done, go, hurry. Yes, pants. Wee! <laughs> Take my money. Take my money. Now, six weeks later, after waiting? No. Absolutely not. And then you look at the competition they have in this, you know, because, I mean, God forbid anyone should be slightly abnormal size. I mean, I am six feet tall. I weigh about 200 pounds. I have size 10 and a half feet, a 38 waist. I'm like about as average as an American man gets, by and large. Yeah. Um, if you need anything slightly out of the ordinary, their competition is people like Ghazi. It's people like Motoport who straight up right at the beginning, they're like, okay, give us some measurements and we will make sure that this is going to fit you because we don't want to do the back and forth things. It costs everybody yeah. money. It's a pain in the ass. And we want you to have a good yeah. time. Yeah. You know? And Gazi will send like shit out to you for you to try on. He'll, yeah. He'll send you things with crazy tape on them to put together and say, like, okay, how's this? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, I told him flat out. I'm like, wow. I'm really disappointed. That's amazing. I mean, when you were on the phone with the sales staff, I, I'm, I mean, you were on the I phone. I was on the phone okay. with the sales staff. It wasn't an online order. They, they, they didn't. Not a word. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm having problems putting this together in my head because on one hand, it's you're waiting for pants that were presumably being made expressly for you. Uh-huh. Or were they just pants being made 
to fill this order for pants that don't come in very often. Uh, it's probably the latter. But, you know, I mean, if you could upsell me 50 bucks and use less material in the process, wouldn't you do that? Wow. That's a, that's mm-hmm. kind of that's a pretty big failure. That is a major failure, I think. There, wow. so I, I think I have to say, and I told them as I was going to say as much. Aerostitch, their stock stuff, if it fits you, is really good. I really like the Falstaff jacket, and I yeah. really like my elkskin roper gloves. Our friend John loves his stitch. Yeah, but I gotta say, if you need anything out of the ordinary or anything not stock, Aerostitch probably isn't the place to go. Unless you're you're really upfront in the beginning. <laughs> well, <laughs> please consult your records about me. Well, you know, I, half of it is I didn't even remember at first that I, you know, I had been there, but yeah. it's been so long ago. Uh-huh. I, I just, I'm, what were you I'm there for. I was traveling across Canada, and I happened to go through Duluth, and I was like, "Oh, I want to go to Aerostitch." My wife was like, "You can go, and we'll be there for thirty minutes, and then we are leaving." <laughs> anyway, you run here, and you're like, "Quick, measure me!" I'm like, <laughs> "Are you buying something?" No, measure me. <laughs> just do it. Do it yeah. now. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm really, I'm, I'm. See, that's the problem. They probably put in the file, you know, measured him, deadbeat, <laughs> deadbeat. Only spent about a grand in the past with us here. <laughs> Deadbeat, jerk. Well, that's barely a suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I just, you know, it, part of it is I, they feel less like the, the cool local, you know, American service company that they're making themselves out to be. And frankly, they seem more like a high-end Joe Rocket now to me. Mm, wow. These are really not any different from any of the other stock manufacturers. They, they're higher-end stock manufacturers, but they're stock manufacturers. and That's unfortunate. I guess it kind of it removes a little luster of it for me. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's, that sucks. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at some other options. So you're pantsless. Pantsless again. Pantsless in Salt Lake. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm thinking. I'm gonna. Look that, that's his screen at... name, folks. Pantsless in Salt Lake. Mm, mm. Various whatever city I live in at the time. <laughs> no pants here. <laughs> um, so I think I'm gonna talk with uh, probably. I'm considering like Gazi, Moto Port, a few of the different people to mm. you know get a pair of nice pants made because I'm gonna cut all this money set aside for pants, and I'm just gonna be back <laughs> in my bank account pretty soon. <laughs> Damned if I'm paying a hundred bucks to modify a pair of five hundred dollar pants <laughs> after six weeks of waiting. <laughs> That's a month and a half for those keeping score. <laughs> We get it. You're unhappy. I'm unhappy. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, speaking of American companies, mm-hmm. uh, Alt-Rider, remember uh, them? Yeah, yeah. We had Jeremy on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote back to us to drop us a line uh, about, uh, I guess they got their hands on the new water-cooled R1200GS. Ooh, the water beamer. And uh, they've done a little YouTube video of their impressions of it. Oh, and it's all about the beak. <laughs> no, no, no mention of the beak. But... But they, well, that's not true. They do mention the beak, and they mention that they made the beak bigger uh, to cover up the radiators. Because you don't want to show ugly radiators. Oh, know. what was was it the beak he was talking about? I thought he meant the side. But, um, I guess it could be the side uh, cowlings. I, I don't know. But uh, the beak is definitely large and, and up there and prominent. Yeah, the beak. Beak. The beak is a wreck. I, want, I do want to say that Jeremy is a very good dramatic narrator. Oh, I know. Yeah, I like the dramatic music with it, too. Dun, 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 dun. We're riding around in a park. Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> this bike can go anywhere. Doom, doom, doom. That is landscaped. Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> You know, he's going to come and, like, challenge you to some sort of write-off with the Strom and his bike. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be... The difference is I don't care about my bike. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, I can't believe you did that with a Strom. And I'll be like, mm. 
<laughs> I think I still think he'd ride you off a cliff. Could be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll be like, I don't care about my bike, but my back really hurts. Dim 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 do landscape cliff. He also sent us that report from the, the goons and the dunes thing mm-hmm. that they did. Yep. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty sure he yeah. <laughs> Goons and the Dunes. That's, uh, we, uh, mm. we didn't talk a lot about that on the show because yeah. there's some gooning going on in the Dunes. But Suffice that, to be said, it's out there if you happen to go searching for it and it, find it. We that looks pretty you. cool. Yep. It looked pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, so they, they got to try it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the shop in town here has them now. Do they? I think. Okay. So I might be able to test ride one. Yes. But yes. not you. Actually, Claire's friend Jeremy also has his Beamer on consignment, the Beamer with the sidecar on consignment at that shop right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How much are they looking for it? Uh, I think about the same he was asking for. It's on consignment. So. Oh, the old one. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, old okay. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. should totally go and just, like, hoon it up in it, though. Just, you know. <laughs> I, well, you know, we show up in the sidecar and be like, I'm thinking about buying this. Very seriously. <laughs> And they're like, okay. Yeah, I'll have to leave my helmet on the entire time with uh-huh. the, with the Who's black that? visor. That's my wife. <laughs> Carol. Say hello, honey. Wave. Wave, wave. <laughs> it could work. Just keep the hump, keep the, the collar up, the helmet down, the black visor. It's one of those wives who's into bikes as opposed to that other kind of wife. <laughs> who's not into bikes. Oh, and what could you be talking about? Oh, I don't know. Found a little, uh, little uh, classified today. Oh, let's look at it. Mm-hmm. So this is a uh, perfect 2012 Triple Black R1200 GS, and it's good that it's perfect because it's twenty thousand friggin' dollars. What? Nineteen thousand three hundred dollars? I'm not sure what this thing costs new, but it can't be much more than that. Oh my god! This bike is flawless and has had all work done at BMW Motorcycles of Utah. I am very good friends with all of them there. I bet. And they can attest <laughs> for this bike. This is my lose, your gain. He ain't losing much. Getting married soon, and so the bike needs a good home. Has the adventure bags, over 1500 in value. GPS mountain BMW nav, 1000 in value, even though that doesn't actually add to the value. Upper and lower <laughs> crash bars, more value that doesn't actually get added. And all just under 5,000 miles, I'm shocked. Was living in China for half the time I have owned the bike. Give me a call, number, number, number. Call or email me at Matthew and, oh, uh, be lucky to have one of the last air-cooled bikes BMW ever made. Bought at the end of the season last year. Don't miss out. Comes with my balls in a box. <laughs> I added that last part. <laughs> now, the parts that interest me most about this is he was in China for half the time he owned the bike. Yep. And it's in Provo, Utah. Yep. Mormon homeland. Yep. And uh, he's getting married now that he's back from China and has to sell it. But how could a 21-year-old kid... Missionary kid. Own clearly. a brand new R1200GS? Well, apparently he can't. <laughs> he's getting married. <laughs> Really? Now that you're back and you don't have to wear the funeral tie anymore, we have to get married and you have to put a lot of babies in me. (laughs) You're going to need to sell that bike. Um, He's not trying very hard to sell it. That's true, actually. Maybe maybe we'll get to, maybe this will be another great one where we get to see the follow-up ad from the wife. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew is not selling his bike fast enough. Soon to be wife. Soon. Get it? Sold. Babies! <laughs> now! 
she's going to repost the ad selling it for like 10 Toyota to- or train for Toyota minivan. <laughs> $19,000. Well, it's, it's, it's flawless, which one would hope at $20,000. And then when you go to register the damn thing, you have to pay the sales tax. Oh, man. The sales tax is going to be like more than the Strom is worth. <laughs> More than the Strom and the Versus put together cost. Who's going to pay that for that bike? I don't. It's got BMW cases on it. Who cares? But the BMW cases are amazing, Chuck. They add loads of value. They're not on. They're very unique. It's not like we're talking Touratex. Nope. <laughs> nope. And it's not like you know adding cases adds actual value. Oh look, he's got a, a BYU sticker on it. Oh, oh, that's cute. Oh, Matthew! <laughs> Is that bike sold yet? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I mean, it's I a, feel for the guy on one a, hand, but he brought this on bike. himself. It's a pretty bike. Um, he brought it on himself. Yeah, but it's it's just not... He's not trying. I, I'm standing by my, my guess. He is not trying to sell this bike. Yeah. He's, he's just, just like, saying, I'm selling it. Oh, I'm, I'm trying. Like, hey, honey, I'm doing just like you said. The bikes are cash selling everything, but nobody's calling. I don't know what's going on. I'm totally, look, it even says in the ad, my loss, your gain. I mean, it's a, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's way under what that bike goes for. <laughs> I told him it was perfect. My loss. Look, no one's. I don't understand. You know, it's it's April. People aren't buying economy stuff. Bike. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, Matthew. Clever. <laughs> I see your little game. <laughs> All these calls are going to come in. Yeah, I'll give you fifteen for the bike. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you 12. Someone's just going to call his girlfriend up and be like, I got $10,000 in cash, cash right in now. <laughs> just, just bring it out to the end of the driveway <laughs> and get him to do something in the backyard. <laughs> What's that sound in the front? It's nothing! <laughs> Keep mowing! <laughs> Matthew will come around the front and there'll be like a 94 Ford minivan. <laughs> <laughs> Look what I got a new car! <laughs> You know, I wonder out there if there, there there's somewhere out there, listeners, I, I, I put it to you, find me a husband's sale. My husband is making me sell this bike. <laughs> uh. They have to be out there, right? Well, yeah. Look at the, our friend Jen. Yeah. Uh, her husband doesn't want her to buy a bike. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So so there must be a, a Jen it, of the future out there. There must be a husband's sale there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's out there. We stand for equality. Mm-hmm. We want to see the husband act. Especially if they're really funny and sad. All right. So speaking of gender equality, I hear women ride motorcycles, and I hear some of them are much more awesome than us. So Carla King, one of the, the long chain of people who we've been introduced to since you started making friends at motorcycle shows. Did I tell you I, I made some? I went to the motorcycle show in Long Beach? Close personal friends. We get My, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're all very familiar with it, Chuck. <laughs> we've all heard the song. <laughs> There's a song? Yes. We hate Chuck. We hate... Oh, sorry, that, that's my song. <laughs> okay, Carla King, you are misadventuring, and you're an author, a world traveler. You're gone, you've gone through China on a Changjiang, uh, ridden through India, gone to Alps, to Morocco, Italy, the Adriatic Sea, the Trans-America Trail, and you wrote a bunch of books. 
right? That's right. <laughs> She's all like, I've She's got like, the wrong person. Yeah, yeah, that's me. No, this is Carla King of Kansas. I do barbecue sauce. Wait. You have the wrong number. Uh, and you're currently, so you you were saying earlier you were you're out in the desert uh, re-entering dirt biking and you're checking out long distance motos like the KTM 690 BMW 650GS, which is yeah, why you, you sound I'm, like you're. Which is why I sound like I'm underwater, but I am out in the wide desert here where there's dust storms that are tornado force dust storms here. So you can't ride your motorcycle in those. Well, gosh, that sounds really swell. Yeah, yeah, that was yesterday. But most of the time it's gorgeous in the summer and the spring here. The Anza Borrego Desert is the United States' largest state park, and it's a motorcycling heaven and there's nobody here you know what it's else crazy it, it's a hiking hell hiking a little bicycling a lot of people are camping with their rvs i backpacked 20 miles on the asphalt in enza borrego it's horrible on the asphalt? yes it's horrible why were you on the asphalt because we were following the stupid mormon trail <sighs> there's that whole mormon battalion trail and a lot of it's on the asphalt that'll learn you it sucked. <laughs> yeah, you have to get off the asphalt. It's the desert, man. Why did they make kids do that? Builds character? Oh. Did it look like it worked? Oh, oh okay. Is that why those children up in the mountains were looking so miserable? Because they were on the morning trail. Okay. I saw a whole school group. We went by um, in a land cruiser, and there were all these pre-teenage kids looking very miserable with backpacks. And you're like, hi, we have drinks inside. That looks awful, Bob. Hi, yeah. We have beer. <laughs> we went to the Oasis. We drove there in our 4 by 4 So, yeah. Wow, that looks hard. Are those packs heavy? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's bringing back flashbacks. Cause that happened when I was doing it, too. <laughs> there's there's one every year. So, Carla, you... Uh, well, good. I'm glad you explained that for me. It was a mystery. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm dirt bike riding up here. I, um... I have a friend who offered a guest house. Uh, it's empty most of the time, so I am here uh, watching out for the, um, I don't know, the coyotes and the rabbits and making sure nothing happens to the swimming pool that shouldn't happen to the swimming pool. <laughs> back up. Wait, back up. <laughs> a swimming pool. This is really roughing mm -hmm. it. I'm roughing it. Adventure pool. Do you know how hard it is to get good crushed ice for her drinks there? <laughs> well, you know, if she had the BM BMW 1200GS, it has decrushed ice dispenser. It's a TourTech accessory. So that's your problem. I knew they had one. I knew they had one. You should have took the bigger... TourTech has everything. Yes. If you'd had the bigger BMW, this wouldn't be an issue. So, so, uh, I have been riding KTMs, though. I'm in love with KTMs. I'm newly in love with KTMs. I've heard they're, uh, they're a bit like BMWs with a sense of humor. Well, they are orange. <laughs> I was reading the, the new KTM, the 1190. Mm-hmm was aimed more at the Multistrada than the uh, the GS as far as uh, competition. Hmm. Uh -huh. It's more of a of a streety bike than the... Uh, which is kind of weird because you'd think KTM would be all over trying to mm -hmm. one-up the GS. So I got to ask you though, Carla, if you're riding the 690 um, and you normally ride a KLR 650, you're not a short woman, are you? No, I'm a 5'8". Oh, you know what that helps. Ride. What's that? Europe. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, you know. I do. What do you think of the Euro? Well, I love the new Euro, <laughs> but I don't know if you realize that I 
test rode the 1994 Ural for the American importers. Oh, you um, What was that like? <laughs> well, I it was so exciting that I wrote a whole book about it called American Borders. Okay. Um, I circumnavigated the United States on the 1994 Russian Ural. Not many modifications. Uh, the American importers wanted to make sure that it would run on American roads and American highway speeds in American weather, not at 35 miles an hour across the Siberian snowfield, right? Where it works just fine, apparently, with your whole family in a refrigerator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why would you need right? a refrigerator on the snowfield? I don't know, but they do. Have you not seen those photographs? Maybe it's to keep things from freezing. <laughs> Possibly. This keeps things at comfortable 35. But... Because you have one, you know it will carry it. It carries um, so the, It carries Todd. <laughs> so uh, basically, I broke down every 500 miles for four months across America. That's pretty good for a 1994. Yeah, but yeah, no, it was, and it was great because it was. This was my job, so I had two jobs during this trip. Uh, one job was to test it and uh, call them frantically and ask for a new gas tank or a new uh, generator or a new. Um, uh, right hole, right side, things like that. And they would promptly FedEx those things to me to the house where I would be staying because there are no hotels where I was going. I was circumnavigating the United States. So I was going along the Canadian and U.S. border and then down um, near the Mexican border as well. So there aren't very many big cities. So whenever I would break down, uh, some wonderful person would tow me to the nearest person they knew who had a box of motorcycle parts in the garage and I would stay on his couch until the FedEx arrived and then um, when that happened, he would invite all of his friends to drink beer and smoke pot and watch him fix the motorcycle. (laughs) America! Yay! So the 1994 Euro around, let me think, yeah, the, the, the uh, alternator they had is the one that is lovingly referred to as the grenade for reasons that, that Carla... That would be it. Yep. Carla could probably tell you at great length. How long did this trip take? It, it took four months. Okay. How much of that time would you say was spent moving? A month. Um, one month. <laughs> <laughs> That's, and you, you've been but, writing your whole life, right? You're like, since you were... I have... A kid, your dad started you out on bikes and stuff. Yeah, well, I was 14, and um, I was living in rural North Carolina, and there was nothing to do. And my sister had a horse, so she was able to escape. And I did not have an escape vehicle until I spotted my dad's Honda. It was a 90 Enduro in the garage. And, um, you know, we, we grew up in the country and had boats and tractors and things, and so I knew how to drive almost everything already. It didn't take me long to learn how to ride the motorcycle, like five minutes, really. Yeah, he said if I could fix it, I could ride it. So that became my escape vehicle. <laughs> A statement he had cause to regret in time, I don't doubt. What, that rock? Yeah, if you could make that roll, sure. It's yours. You don't sound like you're from North Carolina. Well, I haven't had a beer yet. Oh, Ah, it's one of those things. Give me a beer and I'll I'll start saying y'all. The the the, the waiter at the adventure resort doesn't isn't bringing them out. You're no. at the, the pool. Yeah, I what, gave him the night off. You tell Raul the pool boy to get get going here. Come on, chop chop. So so you're out there riding KTM's and BMWs. Now is somebody sponsoring those, or they just happen to be there at the house and you're kind of swiping? Well, 
you know, yeah. Um, all I bet the above. Yeah. Yeah. I like this book. I'm a journalist, so I do write. I do write a lot about motorcycles. So um, I call dealers and um, people let me ride them because I have a fancy business card. <laughs> that hasn't worked for us yet. We yeah. we call people and ask to ride them and laughter ensues. It's, yeah. Or oh. we get turned down. Well, she has a fancy business card. That's the problem. We, we, we need a fancy one. We Well, there's. I mean, we had those crayons and stuff. No, no, no. It's, you have to get on your motorcycle and peer through the windshield. You have to put your um, elbow on the gas tank. We're looking at the picture right now. And yeah. on the chin, the head on the head resting on your chin. I don't think um, we can pull that look off. No. It's, it helps you look approachable and yet knowledgeable about motorcycles. Exactly. And then all of the Ural nerds are looking and they're like, oh my gosh, she has the much sought after batwing fairing on that thing. <laughs> Do you like that fairing? I like, I think it's kind of cool looking, although I'm told it's not as nice as the newer one like I have with rounded edges. Ooh. And oh. not the color of your bike. Well, you do that in Russia now? Round, <laughs> round, sort of. Yes, yes. What were the shape of the mm-hmm. wheels on the ninety-four euro? What were the shape? They were, I think, they were egg-shaped. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hasn't changed much. Todd keeps no. talking about the fancy new round wheels. Yeah, you know. these new ones with the aluminum wheels that uh, say they're round and everything. Really? <laughs> you know, the wheels are amazingly sturdy. I never had. I didn't have a flat tire. I didn't. <laughs> The tires were hardly even worn. Um, the spokes didn't come loose. I was uh, I was climbing hills and going across rivers and bouncing along rocks. And it's amazingly sturdy. It was the same thing with the Changjiang sidecar motorcycle in China. Talk I about think, that a little bit. Going went, across China. Yeah, China was great. Um, actually, it was awful, but it was great. <laughs> it was so awful. So awful. Well, in, fair, in fairness, she is a writer, and if she, if it's a really awful trip, she's like, oh, I'm gonna sell so many copies of this. That's that's what people say exactly. about our show. It's it's so awful. It's good, like old Doctor Who. Right. Mm. Well, some someone, someone has said we're good, right? We got mm-hmm. a letter. Uh. Well, a book isn't interesting unless there are a lot of its disasters and breakdowns, and and there were. So um, I was reporting in real time on the road in 1995 from my trip. My online dispatches, they call them blogs now, mm-hmm. um, are, they're the first real-time reports from the road on the Internet. They were going to about 500 people who worked in academia and the sciences and the government who had the Internet at the time. I was using FTP. I was doing yeah, HTMLing my, my okay. stories and take my editor at O'Reilly and Associates was proofreading them, and I was actually sending him the negatives of my film uh, so that he could scan them and put them in the dispatches. Nice. And also, they weren't quite real-time because they were afraid because I was a woman alone that I would have stalkers. And <laughs> <laughs> the Internet is not filled with creepy people. What are you talking about? No, especially in 1995. And so they made me stagger them a week behind so people couldn't really follow me. Imagine the dude in 1995 who's like, okay, there she is. She's in China. I just got to get my plane ticket. (laughs) Wait, this is hard. Wait, wait, I need to find out where she is now. (laughs) 
She's somewhere. Oh no, it's that maniacal laughter thing I heard on your previous show. This is scary. Never maniacal laughter. We yeah, that's just sort of what we do. It's kind of our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you'll get to see it in person. I will? That's not a scary threat. <laughs> that was a, that was a terrified pause. <laughs> She's looking for the door. <laughs> Well, I, well, see, are you going to Overland Expo? I am. Are you going to be there? Yes. Well, I, I'll Chuck awesome. will. I, I'll be, but he Chuck, Tom won't. Chuck will be on site. I will be changing. Diapers. I'm I'm actually going to be crashing at at uh, Sandy and Terry's campsite because they offered me dirt. That's really nice. I'll be at Sandy and Terry's campsite as well. See, so you'll get to hear the maniacal laughter in person. Oh no! At night in my tent. Awkward pause. Resuming mm. interview. Wait, I'm still thinking, Chuck. <laughs> so you rode across China on a Changjiang. Now, what what spurred mm-hmm. you to do such a thing? And what, I mean, what that's that's not a especially at the time when no one had heard of these crazy communist sidecar bikes. That was that's pretty right. crazy stuff. Where was you, it your idea or somebody else's? Oh no, it wasn't my idea because it was completely illegal. You couldn't get <laughs> you could get into the country as a tourist. But you certainly couldn't drive around in a car or a motorcycle by yourself. Mm. Um, and so what had happened is these expats who lived in China, people who Americans and Europeans had been fo- actually following my American borders dispatches from the Ural trip. And they wanted they said, to talk you oh my China. gosh, they said they wanted to offer me a trip because they all they all had jobs, you know, very important jobs, head of you know General Motors in Beijing, et cetera. And they said, call it, come here and write an American borders style series of dispatches because China's really changing now. This was in 1997. It's changing and we want people to know what, it, what it's like out in the countryside before they destroy it. <laughs> before they build that, was it Three Rivers Dam? Or right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> flood half the country. Exactly. And and I said, are you kidding me? I never occurred to me to China. Can I do this? And they said, yes, come out for two weeks and we'll show you what it's like. So I went out in the fall of 97. Um, a whole group of them. There, there's a Chang Jang gang in Beijing. A whole gang of these people. Uh, with Chang Jang, he ride around. Jim Bryant, he had a shop that modified them to suit the taste of the wealthy expats. A lot of them were painted up really nice, and they, he put BMW engines in them. Yeah, he's still, I think he's still at it. I see him on Sto- Soviet he's, Steeds occasionally. He is still at it. Yeah, he is. And so he's the guy, he lent me his motorcycle, and I said, okay, so... This is totally illegal. What happens if I'm caught? Am I going to get thrown in jail or tortured in the basement for the rest of my life or what? And they said, yeah, you'll, they'll just send you home and they will confiscate the bike. They will send and you so home dip- in the diplomatic bag. Exactly. <laughs> so the bike was worth about $1,500, but the license plate, the black license plate, not the blue license plate that everybody gets, was worth a couple thousand dollars. Now, this black license plate allowed me to cross provincial lines. Imagine if I'd had a blue license plate, I wouldn't have been able to cross over from Beijing province to Hebei province to Shanxi. I mean, imagine if you couldn't cross state lines with your drivers, with your license plate. So the black That's what it was like plate, inside. it means everyone the is black one, like a party member's mistress or something? That, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> She's all like, wow, now so many things make sense. Exactly. 
So um, the first time I got pulled over, it was a routine. <laughs> it was a routine traffic check. The guy checks the car in front of me and the truck in front of me. There are only about ten cars on the freeway in all of China. Then anyway, um, the same ten cars driving yet. But um, I took off my helmet and I had really long blonde hair at the time, and my braid fell out. And I took off my sunglasses and I have green eyes. And he just looks at me like. I'm the Tasmanian devil or something. I was just a monster to him. <laughs> he was horrified. And after a while, after his you know, jaw started working again, he closed it and he put his left hand over his eyes and he threw his right hand out, pointing down the road. Away from me, <laughs> round eye devil. <laughs> I don't see you. This is not how I imagined the scene going down. No. Because no, I was thinking she'd take her helmet off, her hair falls out in slow motion, that real dramatic music starts. But no, entirely the opposite reaction. He no, it's almost... dramatic music. It's the different kind of music. Though. It's like, dun, 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 She's reaching for his tear gas. Wait, did he turn around? No, no, no. He just, he just covered his eyes and pointed me for me to go on. Oh, he, just he to didn't get, a, want get away to know from I was as there far as possible. Out of his sight. Out <laughs> of his sight. He couldn't get rid of her fast enough. <laughs> couldn't. Hey, have you ever seen a blind person? No. no. There's things. Some, somewhere today in China, there's a soldier with PTSD because he saw a blind woman. <laughs> so this is how it went all across China whenever I had run across an official uh, because they, they still remember the Cultural Revolution there when there were tattletales everywhere. And so if you, you know, if you, if you caused any trouble or if you hassled somebody important, somebody would tell and then you'd get in trouble and you wouldn't get a promotion or you'd get thrown in jail. I mean, that kind of thing was still going on. And you're and, uh, like with black license plates. Mm. And you're, yeah, so yeah. I'm important, so don't mess with me. Otherwise, you know, somebody's going to tell and then, boy, your career is ended. So that was the mentality that got me through China. Now, that's changed now because there are tours of people have seen foreigners. Really, for the months that I was there, I was the only foreigner anyone had ever, ever seen. Uh, people would gather around me and, and just stare. Did anyone ask for your autograph? <laughs> no. And did you sign it? <laughs> it wasn't uh, in Africa. In Africa, uh, I was in Senegal, and, and we, I was actually bicycling, uh, and I came across this village, and Baywatch was on, on the TV in the middle of the street. They had pulled it out, and the people in the village looked up, and one of them said, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Get her! <laughs> really? And I'm like, no, I'm not Pamela Anderson. They, they, you know, the breast thing was sort of obvious to me, but in Africa they don't sexualize breasts because they're out all the time, so they weren't seeing that. They were just seeing the hair. Blonde hair, green eyes. You should have just ro rolled with that. You, you could have been queen of a village right now. Mm. Well, I was. They did feed me, which is really all I was after. Hey. Food, please. Food, water, but people in uh, people in Africa, people in India, uh, usually in America and uh, Europe, are very friendly. But in China, they were so shocked they would just literally stare at me like a zoo animal, and I could jump up and down and waggle my hands and stick out my tongue, and they wouldn't change their expression at all. <laughs> they were trying just going like boo, see if they run away. It's like those British guards <laughs> trying to get a reaction out of them. Yes. It was frustrating. Did you have any problems taking pictures and stuff? Did anyone ever give you a 
any flack about taking pictures? No, I have a lot of pictures. You can find them on my website. I have a, a journeys section of my website, and you can also go back and look at the original dispatches. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what I'm doing here in the desert. I'm finishing my book about mounting um, by a pool. China. Yes, I'm actually I'm digging the sand out of the pool. To tell you the truth, this is not the glamorous life of a writer you imagine it to be. You, you have a pool and, and a place to sleep that is covered. That's better than a lot of writers. You know, you're right. Better than <laughs> actually most of the world. I have, <laughs> you a, traveled, uh, I have a creative writing degree. I, I know. Do you? It's, uh, yeah, there's no, the job market is fantastic for creative writing majors. I know. I have a creative writing degree. Well, they they opened sorry. that new creative writing factory downtown recently. Shut up. Yeah. It's next door to the to the to the the postmodern philosophy factory. Yeah, that would be it. Is that what your degree is? No, <laughs> no, thank goodness. No, mine's in uh, film. Uh, oh, oh, so much better. Speaking of unemployable, <sighs> you know, I almost went for my master's in creative writing. Wow. But she's done something. Yeah. She actually writes for a living, hmm. unlike me. I write for a living. And she's lounging by what a pool. I'm a computer yeah. nerd, just like Todd. We're both computer nerds. Mm-hmm. Well, he, mm-hmm. he wrangles the computer nerds, and I, I am one. Uh-huh. Get to work. Shut up. So, you know, um, you know, I was a technical writer for many years. A te- oh, so that was a, a, tech- a bit of a change, huh? Yeah, I did technical yeah. writing. So on the one hand, you know, like, did you write motorcycle stuff in the evening and then you go to work, you'd be like, and then you pull the lever down until it reaches a 45-degree <laughs> angle. Yeah. No, I started as a tech writer, um, and that's actually the reason that I got my first job, which was uh, in journalism, which was riding the Ural around the United States and reporting on it to the Internet. Oh, my God. I got... Wait, wait a second. 20... Wait. wait. I did... I got $25 a week. Todd's about to explode. I'm going to explode. Wait a minute, Carla. Did you write the English version of the Ural so-called manual? No. No. (laughs) This interview was about to be over. (laughs) You should have seen his face. It turned colors. Right. No, I, I used it, though, and I marked it up. And I gave it back to them when I was finished. <laughs> Use it for what? Sopping up oil? <laughs> As a shim? <laughs> Carla's like, no, I made serious notes in it. It was mostly blank pages when she got it. <laughs> what What year do you have? I've got a 2007. Well, that should be a pretty good bike, you know, because, okay, I feel really proud of myself because I, I did find a lot wrong with that 2000, I mean, that 1994 model. And they improved it. Everything that broke, they went to the factory and they fixed what was wrong with it. I give them and credit. So I told, yeah, and I'm very, I, it was impressive. And I'm very proud of my small role in the evolution of, of the URL. And I, I wrote a 2004 URL from the, uh, the dealer in Austria. Mm-hmm. Really nice people. And all the way down to Morocco when I played in the Sahara Desert. Tried to get it stuck. I had the driven wheel. Uh, my first one didn't have a driven wheel. So I thought, okay, I'm going to really, you know, get in a four-wheel drive or a three-wheel drive situation with this thing and get stuck. So I really need it. And I could never get myself in a situation where I needed that driven second wheel. Todd's mentioned that before, too. He's... I, I've only had to use it in anger a couple times, but every time you throw that thing on, there's basically nothing that'll stop it, apart from steep hills. Those will, those will totally stop it. 
<laughs> Apart from gravity. Yeah. <laughs> Inclines. <laughs> Inertia. So when have you engaged that wheel? Uh, when have you found it useful? Uh, the most useful time I find is on a slippery, uh, amusingly, a slippery slope uphill, trying to get it to go in a straight line, so I'm not fighting the yaw the whole way. Um, yeah. Also, also in anything mucky where one wheel, if you're just spinning the one wheel, it'll just like burrow in. Having the second wheel pushing mm-hmm. will get you past the burrow. Mm-hmm. But by and large, I mean yeah. the thing's already a tank with one wheel. She's judging you right now. I know. I could tell. I'm not very hardcore. I, Look at this list. She's been everywhere. I'm learning. My Ural's been to, to Lowe's and to the guy's house where I bought the snowblower. My and it house. goes to work and it goes to Chuck's house. Barely made it to Durango. It, it made it to Durango, just barely. And, <laughs> and and to the liquor store and to the liquor store again. Back and then one the other time liquor to the liquor store. store. Yeah. And tonight you're going to the liquor store, right? Yeah, afterwards, yeah, yeah the yeah, liquor store. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually went to the liquor store in Provo, Utah. There's a liquor store in Provo? There is one liquor store in Provo, Utah. How big is it? Uh, not very. So I was Provo, Utah is where, you know, it's the Mormon heartland. So having beer is bad. So I'm riding along with a giant case of beer on the top rack. And man, the looks I got. <laughs> you shouldn't have been flipping them all off. Well. <laughs> so I'm going to go up to Provo. I'm going up to Sundance after Overland Expo. So I'm really excited about it because I've never explored northern Utah and oh, in that oh. area on a motorcycle. We're so. in Salt Lake, so... Yeah, you have to look us up. Yeah. Oh, you are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can take you places. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, we could... We could we, I'll have Chuck in the sidecar, so I'll have all the ballast I could ever wish for. I'll be drinking. Okay. I'll be driving. You'll be driving? I thought you were yeah. going to take the Ural. Well, that is Well, driving. if you're drinking, I am driving. Because it is called driving, because it's really not like riding, is it? It's, it's ah! like driving ah! a lopsided... Ah! Yes, a lopsided sports car. That's what it is. You have to, you have to develop your your bicep. Wait, wait. Let's let's clear one thing up. Did you Uh listen last week's episode of our show? No. Okay, there. Yeah. See, that's three Uh, now. Three uh, people that say it's not writing. You're all jealous, and she's one of you. She, uh, Uh, she's proto you because she was driving the ninety four. Ha! Victory. uh Wait, I'm gonna do a little victory lap around the cave. Here I go. That was quick. Sorry, it's like I'm driving the. <laughs> it's okay. He, he's like, like this it. a lot. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> the victory lap is about three feet. Yep. <clears throat> and I'm scratching my. Ha! <laughs> Oi. <laughs> okay, you know what? Show's Oi. over. We're done. Purposes. Purpose. Bye, <laughs> guys. The whole series. Sorry. Over. Thank you, listeners. Thanks for listening to us. <laughs> it's been a great two years. We're out. <laughs> Oh man! Don't break up over this. <laughs> oh man! Oh. So, so Carla's trips are legendary, Matt. What are you working on these days, Carla? I mean, writing obviously about KTM's and riding other people's bikes, but uh, any cool projects going on? Well, I'm trying to finish the China Road Motorcycle Diaries, and uh, I have uh, my website, Moto SFO, which mm. is the coolest roads in Northern California, although. I find myself in Southern California and exploring these. I guess I'm going to have to write a Moto San Diego uh, magazine, but um, it's a really great travel magazine. Um, yeah, we, we were just both in San Diego at the same time. Mm-hmm. You fa- know, South Bay Motorsports right after I left. <laughs> That's the best time to arrive anywhere is right after Chuck leaves. No way, were you? Yeah. 
<laughs> you just crossed? Yeah, I was like there just lurking. And then. Did you? Uh, you stalked um, me, didn't you? No, you. I, I was there. For, I tweeted I was going to be there. I didn't see that part. I What I saw oh, was okay. later you tweeted something about you were there and thanks to Ted, the bald guy. And I'm all like. I was just there. <laughs> you weren't. In. Did you ride the multistrada? No, I did. I they I <laughs> they won't let me ride stuff. Chuck there. has a problem. <laughs> I oh. they don't let me. I mean, they're they uh, no, they wouldn't let me ride stuff there. I asked because hmm. um, they know I'm from out of state, so they're just like, you're not going to buy something, and you're clearly not anybody. And this card you gave me that you wrote in crown that says you do a podcast, get out. Oh. So is the yeah, you have fancy card. I don't have a fancy card. So is the China book going to be a? Uh, is this going to be just a novel kind of thing? Is it going to be a coffee table book with lots of big awesome pictures? Oh, it's just it's going to be a memoir, which is a novel kind of thing, except for it's all true, and all my pictures will be on the web because it's much too expensive to print color photos and everybody has an iPad these days or a Kindle Fire anyway so I might as well just put them on the web and, and I'm going to have a, a beta copy at Overland Expo I get to go yeah. you're not diapers so you can read it you can read it in print with mistake and possibly without an ending a beta copy um, they, they used to be called it's like, more adventure it used to way. be called like galleys or something <laughs> it's much more adventure no. In it. I it's not even a galley. Unfortunately, it's not even you know worthy of the name galley. It's a beta. Maybe it's an alpha. A first you guys draft? are tech guys. A, a first draft? Uh, it's about a 500. I, I've been working on this thing for so long. So did you get to ride the... You, you rode the Multistrada at South Bay? I did. What did you think of the Multistrada? Well, when I was trying to haul it upright, I thought it was really way too heavy. It's a big And bike. I thought, boy... If you, you know, tip this thing over, it would be hell to get back up again. Um, but once I was going, it was awesome. Okay, it's got, what, 125 horsepower? Yeah. Um, eh. You know you're... <laughs> Pardon? Oh, you know, 125. How many eh. does your Ural have? Uh, what? Well, it came from the fact that Five horses, and they're not all still alive. Mm-hmm. Oh. Multi has possibly a hundred more and weighs one third as much. And this is the thing. So this is the thing that I've been learning. Uh, I've been riding the, the KTM Supermoto, uh, the 950, the carbureted model, which I, I would prefer a carbureted, not a fuel-injected motorcycle because... You can't fix fuel injection when you're on the road, and I tend to go on back roads you know, out in the middle of nowhere, so I don't want a fuel injection problem. So carbureted is important. Mm. Lightweight is important. Um, the Ducati Multistrada has a lot of mm, modern stuff on it. So even though I liked it, I don't think that I would take it out of um, <sighs> America or Europe. I don't wouldn't go down to Mexico uh, with it or anywhere. There wasn't a dealer. Um, where is the the KTM Supermoto that I've been riding since I've been here is it's a 950 and it seems lighter than my than my KLR. It seems lighter and it's got a lot more horsepower. Wait a minute, your KLR? Okay, that that couches this whole discussion differently. She's a KLR rider, Chuck. Yep. She's from the styrofoam cooler luggage. No uh, crate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, this Multistrada is really expensive, man. <laughs> I like the Multistrada when you turn it on and all the little lights. Beep. Can I fix this with a beer can? <laughs> <laughs> 
But they let her ride it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I walk over into the Ducati section of South Bay Motorsports, and they all just stop and turn, and they look at me until I walk away. <laughs> just a silence. Chuck, you missed, did you miss the part where she's blonde and you're not? I could do that picture with my cheek and my hand. Yeah, you need to you need to do the the picture that makes you look approachable yet yet knowledgeable. I could do that. Here, watch. Uh, oh, 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 that's weird. See, you can do it. People like me. Damn it. I know you can do it. See, just smile, just a little bit. Don't smile all the way. Just like a hint of a smile. Yeah. So lose the creepy smile. The creepy, yeah. creepy. I have a van out back. Smile. <laughs> but. I really like the Viking on my van. I know, I know. <laughs> so, Carla, you're you're uh, you're actually on the board of the Ted Simon Foundation, right? Yeah, I am. You know Ted Simon, Jupiter's Travelers. Yes, we've uh, had him. We've had him on a we've, past we've show. Been, we've been steadily working our way through the foundation. I think lately <laughs> for guests. I think you have. <laughs> when I looked at your guest lineup, I, I saw so many friends there. You had Ben Slavin in recently. Yeah. Yep. Um, Nicole, the board. Did you have Nicole Espinoza, who was, was the, here yeah, visiting spoke, me last weekend? Mm-hmm. She was. She floated your name to us to, you know, have on. So mm-hmm. that the others gave you away. Yeah, yeah. You can blame them. They did. Yeah. We'll have your me out of hiding. <laughs> Call Carla. She's at a pool or something. <laughs> yeah. You can uh, go to my Facebook page. Go to the Miss uh, Miss Adventures Media Facebook page. There's a whole series of uh, Nicole visiting here in the desert uh, by the pool, on a skateboard, in a Humvee, on dirt bikes. That sounds like them. We had some fun. We're sitting in a small, unlighted room. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. <laughs> smells kind of funny, too. So the Ted well, Simon Foundation has kind of taken off lately. I mean, maybe maybe everybody was already writing stuff that I wasn't aware of a year or two ago, but it seems like I'm seeing more and more coming out. Well, this is the thing is that uh, the Ted Simon Foundation identifies people who are uh, writing or making art of some sort about traveling, and they're doing it in a way that, you know, benefits Podcasts. the... <laughs> what? Podcasts. She distinctly said art. And benefit. Art. Wheel. Film. Nerds. <laughs> so promote travel and promote traveling ethically, etc. And so these people don't have to be motorcycle travelers who mm-hmm. aren't. But, but a lot of them have been doing their thing for quite a while. Danielle Murdoch is a wonderful. She's a gal from New Zealand, young, and she's a cartoonist. And she's gone around the world. She just flipped out of Syria a week before... The war started there. Um, it was fascinating to read her dispatches on littlemonkeyadventures.com. And her cartoons, her sketches are wonderful. And uh, the Ted Simon Foundation tries to help them get their work done. So I'm trying to figure out how I can help the Ted Simon Foundation help them, which is because of my publishing experience. And I do a lot of self-publishing workshops because, because I was a tech writer back in the 80s and 90s, um, I wasn't afraid to just self-publish on my own. So I, when I got rejected by traditional publishing, I just published it anyway, <laughs> and it wasn't difficult. So at the same time that I've been doing the motorcycle travel, writing, and journalism, um, I've been teaching people how to self-publish. So I have my self-publishing boot camp series, and I'll be talking about that and teaching a workshop 
at Overland Expo. Visiting authors, you too can have taco money like I do from self-publishing. Todd? Yes. Do you believe in traveling ethically? Uh, Yes. Yes. There we go. Very ethical. Yeah. Yeah. This is where you you say we get a check. (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll pass that on. It brings up it brings up an interesting point. If it, so, there are probably folks out there who are a little more serious than we are now, <laughs> who are interested in uh, you know, frankly, uh, doing more writing about traveling the world. I mean, certainly there's a million people who want to be doing that. Um, how do they get involved with the Ted Simon Foundation? Where do they? Who do they need to be talking to? Well, you simply go to the Ted Simon Foundation, uh, JupiterTravelers.com, and fill out an application, and it should be. A resume, it should be well written. <laughs> You'd be amazed at what we see come through. Um, hey, I'm traveling through Africa. Can you help me? That was mine. Yeah, was that, was that wrong? A real, yeah, that might have been the problem. But a real outline of what your end product is going to be, you know, what you're doing, how, how, how long will it take, and kind of what you need from us. Money. Do you need publishing help? Do you need well money? Now it is a nonprofit organization, and so there will be money coming in. So not a whole lot so far. But what we do have is like Nicola Spinoza, for instance, and Paul Smith, um, who also works for Adventure Motorcycle Magazine, mm-hmm. are advisors. So we have a bunch of really amazing advisors. Sam Manicom, for instance, writers who can one-on-one help people with their manuscript or their film and, and just be advisors to the Jupiter's travelers to help them do whatever it takes to get it done. So maybe not always money, maybe just support and uh, advice and editorial and design. So yep. the Ted uh, Foundation knows people. I, I was really going to do mine and my end product in the form of interpretive dance. What's your answer to everything? <laughs> well, because no one does it. Oh, man, my car's broken down. Interpretive dance. Oh, man, my bank account's empty. Interpretive dance. Well, it sounds impressive. I just need money for it. My lawn needs to be mowed. Interpretive dance. Well, I didn't end up mowing your lawn, now did I? Mm. But you have a high-powered Silicon Valley career, right? That funds your fun, doesn't it? <laughs> I, we, you know, we said we were in Salt Lake, right? We, well, we, it's we, virtual. It's a virtual world. We, we mentioned that, right? I, I work for the yeah. state. Uh, <laughs> and Todd works for high-powered. Dyke dot something, I don't know. So you're going to retire early and, and get a good pension. I don't know who she's talking about. Did she, did, did she State have employees a, always get, you know, they retire at 40 and, you know, they, they, get all this money. She didn't read our profile page or anything. No, no. If Chuck retired <laughs> at 40, he'd be retired. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. No, but but I was going to say my technical writing career, um, it did fund my travel for a mm. long time mm. until my journalism and writing took that over and you know, made enough money that I could eke out a living <laughs> that I could be homeless and borrow other people's houses. <laughs> and people throw motorcycles at you. Yeah. You know, our, our last thing let's talk about is um, we've had a number of, of female writers on lately, like Sandy from the Adventure Trio, Nicole, um, now, you know, Carla. It turns uh, out women folk can ride motorcycles, too. We've had the gear chick on. Wouldn't you know? Got it. The uh, gear chick. Yeah. Joanne yeah. Yeah, yeah. My friend from San Francisco. Yeah. I, she might call us a friend. 
Yeah. Oh. So, what's your perspective? You know, you've been—I I assume you've been going to the, the women in motorcycling thingies. Yeah, I spoke there. Yeah, I've been speaking there. Um, yeah, it's grown phenomenally. When I was riding, when I started riding, I was the only girl. I was the only girl, and when I grew up, I was the only woman. At twenty, you know, five, I, I would be the only woman on the road, and people would stare at me and fascination and and the Chinese their eyes (laughs) well you know it was interesting though because Todd because you know the Ural delay factor right it's such an interesting bike Um, well I would I had a Yamaha cruiser and when I would ride that around people would kind of avoid me they'd be a little nervous because I was a biker but as soon as I got on that Ural people flocked toward me they wanted to talk and they wanted to talk about the bike, and they wanted to talk about where I was going, and they wanted to talk about if I was scared because I was a woman traveling alone, and, and uh, you know. <laughs> you look like kind of a woman scared. Yes. Yeah, that's the, that's the title of the first chapter of my book, American Borders, is Aren't You Scared? Because really, nine times out of ten, that's the first thing people would say to me. Huh. And, you know, they say, wow, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm camping, I'm traveling. They go, aren't you scared? And I just say, no, no, not really. Because nothing bad, you know, years and years of travel. No, because I'm packing this desert On the road. Nothing bad. It happened (laughs) on the road with the exception of the 1994 year old. So, but it's true. um, Nothing bad's happened. In fact, it's it's been the opposite. Uh, And I think women... A cabin advantage. People want to take care of us a little more than you tough guys out there. And they're like, wow, you you know, Not you a- need protecting. And sometimes that is an advantage, especially in a foreign uh, country. Uh, you're also such a novelty. Everybody wants to take you home to dinner and, you know, show show them the foreigner that they've met. Um, <laughs> Look what I found! And men and... Can I- yeah, exactly, because... Really, if you're in the middle of Africa or India and you don't see foreigners ever, you only see them on the news or you see them go by on tour buses and you they they get you and they bring you home, you are the star of the show for as many days as you can stand to be there and are treated very, very well. And I used to be, I felt, kind of felt guilty because all these very poor people were giving me things, giving me food and company and advice and taking me places, and then um, I realized that I was the circus, <laughs> literally. <laughs> You're the circus freak. I was. <laughs> I am. And with that, though, came a terrible responsibility, though, is to, you know. You have to be a little interesting and strange. Represent your country, you know, represent your <laughs> your gender, represent motorcyclists. Uh, so it's just it's such an honor to be a guest in what? a foreign country like that. We don't get that in the U.S. Nobody wants to take you home in the U.S. They just like you know, go at the nearest restaurant, you know, two miles down the road. They don't say, "No, come home to dinner with me," and you know, you can sleep in our guest room. <laughs> well, you do, but it. Kind of sounds more like, hey, good looking, you want to come on back to my place? <laughs> well, <laughs> we, you do that really well. We put your bike up on the rack right away. She's hanging Wait, up now. Is that Chuck <laughs> or Todd? I just want to know. <laughs> That's Chuck. That's Chuck at creepy Chuck at wheel nerds. 
And you're camping at Overland Expo with us. Okay. That's right. She's going to get one of those electric bear fences around her tent. <laughs> you look kind of lonely out there on the campsite road. Wow. That's good. <laughs> well, I for one am... I, for one, am glad we have Carla out there representing motorcyclists at large and not Chuck. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I came from the U.S. of A. So check out Carla's I site. heard your country sucks, so <laughs> I came to look. And don't check out Chuck. Tommy, <laughs> <laughs> don't you people have HBO? <laughs> Carla, thanks so much for being on with us tonight and putting up with Chuck. Oh, you're very welcome. I think I- <laughs> I think I've triggered some sort of... PTSD. It's been a pleasure. Sort of. <laughs> some sort of tragic memories coming back for her now. Well, maybe. My, my y'all's coming back here. Hey, you're in trouble. She's going to be like, y'all better step off. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to have my beer and say y'all at you. Uh-oh. Run. Run! Evan sent along this story mm-hmm. of a guy who's going to be riding a Versus through the iron butt. I guess for a bike that's pretty comfy and, you know, fuel efficient, that doesn't seem that impressive to me. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the one I, there's a whole article here about it. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one to try it on a Versus to date. So that's really shocking. And the really shocking uh, blurb or line from this that stood out to me was, of the combined total of 189 riders who mm-hmm. started the 2009 and 2011 Iron Butt rallies, only nine of them rode bikes under a liter. Really? Yeah. That seems shocking because, I mean, like that means not Weestroms, uh, no Tigers, no uh, – I mean, like there's, there's a whole like – yeah. set of these long distance bikes that aren't in there these guys are going for the big bikes and they're there and you know this guy with the versus he attached a five gallon fuel cell mm-hmm. to give him you know a, 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 a large a 400 mile range i think is what mm-hmm. they said yeah uh the rules for the iron butt you can only have 11 and a half gallons of gas that's your max <laughs> oh that you can carry with you yeah huh. with a fuel cell or whatever i guess yeah, yeah. But I guess all these other guys are getting on, you know, the the Connies and the, mm-hmm. the you know, the Bings. And all. I'm sure there's a million gold wings. Uh huh. Yeah, the wings. It's something for like the long hmm. haul. Huh. Well, I, I, cool. I mean, because look at their thinking. You know, these guys that do the iron butt, they're not. All they're thinking was going from A to B to C to D, picking up points as fast as possible. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Then something like the versus, which is I'm going to have a great time going from A to B, and then I'm going to get off and dork around a little bit and get back on. Yeah, these guys are probably just all strictly doing interstates. Yeah, yeah. In which case, I guess, you know, then I could see the versus would start to lose its luster a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does okay on the interstate, but, you know, compared to a big lumpy gold wing with a big loud radio. and Or that uh, 1600 GTL BMW. Yeah, yeah. Where you can just press the menu button and the black helicopter comes, comes and brings you a hamburger, yeah. Strudel. Mmm, strudel. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> baked goods. But it's interesting. It almost kind of, in my mind, begs... The addition of a small displacement category for the Iron Butt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Missy did hers on a Strom 650. Okay. Yeah. You know, so. It's doable. It's I totally mean, doable. There's no reason not to. Yeah. I mean, apart from the usual reasons not to do an Iron Butt, which is that you're doing an Iron Butt. <laughs> I mean, let's be perfectly honest. The idea of sitting on a motorcycle for a thousand miles without any real stops, that sounds like not actually very much fun. It would appeal to a niche. Yeah. Two 500-mile days? 
is still kind of a bastard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My current record is 600 and change in a day, and we were that was two up on the Strom, and we were thrashed mm-hmm. at the end of that. We were like starting to bicker, and you know mm-hmm. we, came, we we went to the first hotel we came to, which turned out to be this four star bed and breakfast <laughs> with a fancy <laughs> restaurant in it. And at which point, everyone's like, "Oh, it's really expensive. It's over a hundred bucks." And I'm like, "I don't, don't care." care. <laughs> <laughs> they have a restaurant inside. Yeah, does it look good? Yeah. Fuck it, don't care. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Bed, shower, yes, good. <laughs> Done. Well, good on him. You know, I mean, the, there's that's cool. Yeah, no he's... reason a small, comfy bike can't do an iron butt. He's done a lot of mods to it. So he's got a Russell on it. He's got a the lot five of gallon fuel cell, a yeah. custom made rear rack, uh-huh. a big water cooler. Yeah, lots yeah. of luggage, lots of piping. Uh-huh. So I guess he can drink and pee at the same time. <laughs> Hopefully not through the same hole. <laughs> He's iron butt. They're hardcore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it looks like it's just a versus that's set up for comfortable touring. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, pounding out eleven consecutive one thousand mile days. That's just that sounds so unfun. <laughs> That that you are driven to do that. You got it. You got to want you it. You got to want that. Yeah. 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 I think I'd much rather tool around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds do, 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 do. What's over here? I don't know. Let's go look. Do, 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 do. Ah, scorpions! And Todd's looking for a new co-host. <laughs> scorpions! Ah! <laughs> the funny thing is, of course, both Chuck and I are terrified of arachnids. <laughs> scorpions are guaranteed to make us both do the icky dance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. The, in my city boots and the in the <laughs> game. <laughs> And that's us not being very weird and gross about it. Yeah. We can get really undignified if it's a big spider. <laughs> Hairy spider. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the, all the eyes in the front. Like oh, jumping God. Spiders. Stop. 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 <laughs> oh, we got to go to a place with less spiders. <laughs> Listener mail. Let's go to Canada. There's uh, not many spiders in Canada. Chris the Canadian writes, We love you guys in the Great White North, too. Love the podcast. Listen every week, eh? If ever you're in southern Ontario, let us know. Always welcome to stay at our place and have a steak and beer. Playing the Canadian anthem on the one episode was clearly our best move, Chuck. This doesn't sound like a trap at all. That was beauty. This this screams not a trap. Well, look at the bright side. It's Canada, so I, I'm agree. It's not, I'm ninety percent sure this is going to be a trap. But at least they'll be really polite about the trap. <laughs> you think they'll put us on the CBC? I don't know. Maybe with some of those really crazy cartoons in French that we used to get. <laughs> They make no sense at all. Maybe that Canada wants us as, as the motorcycle podcasters for Canada. No way. <laughs> Denver wrote to us, I hate you, you, you wheel nerds. Thanks to another no show, I am forced to listen to The Pace, which he puts in quotes like it doesn't exist, <laughs> podcast. Thanks a lot. You can forget your taco money from me this week. Aww. Try getting your priorities right. We, the dedicated few, should come first in your lives. Screw your jobs. Denver, I'm selling my bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did a show. The last week's show was a little late. I've heard something of this, the pace. Can you hear the air quotes, everyone? <laughs> well, they have that rally. Take that, the pace. The so-called pace. If that is your real name, is that isn't that like an old show on MTV? My so-called pace mm, could be. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Can't you just picture Chris and James as a couple of preteen girls giggling over boys? Oddly, yes. <laughs> uh, Sean writes. Ah, yes, I too know the effects that babies can have on a person's regular routine. Poop. 
Just wait until the missus discovers the art of baby grenading and deuced diaper mortars. Loads of poop. Both of them are distracting, but when you catch the DDM, you get a nose full of unpleasantries. Or a shirt full, as the case may be. And he sends us in this order. First, your wooden top box idea. Bit mad scientist. Mm -hmm. Second, the wooden Mad Max cruiser. Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Third, the fully functional wooden motorcycle. What? (laughs) I mean, the engine can't be wood, right? The engine is not wood. Okay. But uh, about damn near everything else is. My goodness. Wow. And it's like pretty, too. Yeah. This guy is clearly a woodworker who knows his stuff. (laughs) Look at that. The the gas tank is a cask. uh, Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, you know, it's not near as kind of half-assed as... Oh, no, his his work is beautiful. I am impressed. I am very impressed. We strongly advise you check this out. Now, the only thing I wonder about, though, is do you think he gets a lot of frame flex with the wood? I mean, it's not a performance machine. Yeah, I mean, it's not a performance machine. I, I would imagine not, because I bet he's got it trussed up so that it's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't look like there's any long pieces... Without uh-huh. um, intersection. And I guess it would have to be a hardtail, too, huh? <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I, the it's, wooden motorcycle. It's a hardwood. <laughs> well, he also he also sent us... A, oh, that's interesting. Did you see the handlebars? Yeah. yeah the handlebars are made with uh, horns. Yeah, horns. This yeah. looks a little bit like it... Uh, where is this guy? I want to look at the forks. So, okay, so that's all lathed wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. this is a... I'm going to nod like I have any idea about woodworking. <laughs> mm, mm. So it's wood. Mm, nice varnish. Mm, yeah. Wood comes from trees. Shut mm. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, shut up. I'm looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, this is beautiful. Work. Is this what it's like when it really is gorgeous? No yes, this it. is what it's like when I'm watching you talk about motorcycle engines and stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. I wondered it's about ex- that. Yeah, see? He, he, he has some sort of suspension rigged up there. Yeah. Well, when, when I want what I want to point out is it's just there's no pieces that don't have reinforcement or struts or something. Oh, I see. Gotcha. So, so he's, he's got a triangle for everything. So it's pretty much, yeah. Fairly, so, yeah. Pretty I don't think he's getting much flex. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Well, that is way cool. And, you know, just because he couldn't leave well enough alone, Sean then sent us this picture of... Billy going to the gym. Whoa. That's... <laughs> That's a thing. I guess it makes it easier to wheelie if someone on the back of your bike is... Doing presses with no, he's actually doing presses while he rides it on yeah on a wheelie yeah that's uh, that's, uh, that's really something. <laughs> Get him, Billy. <laughs> that guy is ripped. That guy gets all of the chicks. He actually just does this down the street. And he has dates for the next year. So once a year he does this. What you don't see in the camera are the girls falling. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a giant herd of girls behind him. Oh, Come Billy. back. Come back, thick armed motorcyclist. <laughs> what have you learned, Todd? I, I've learned that clearly I need to pump more iron while I ride. <laughs> I've learned that I am not ambitious enough in my woodworking motorcycle crossover. Mm. And that's all we got time for this week. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. <laughs>